is a Woodside Church podcast. A short series on missional communities, and this is sort of preacher sandwiched within that, you know, it's very, very important. And speaking about missional communities and community groups, I just want to share a story that happened this week in a community group. And you know, I've been coughing for more than 10 days, even though I'm a chest physician, you know, sometimes cough can be resistant and takes a little while to go. And um, so I've been coughing and coughing and coughing, and my son, Zach, who's a man at the moment, you know, he, he prayed for me, okay, in asking Holy Spirit of God to release his healing power into my body. And in the evening, we went to a community group. We had a community group social. We had a meal. And you know what? My community group offered me an ounce of brandy, okay? So my son was asking the power of the Holy Spirit to come over me and to heal me, whereas the community group was harnessing a different kind of spirit. (laughs) So much for community groups, okay? (laughs) But let me remind you, I've mentioned this before, since the age of 18, when I entered medical school, I have never not been you know, outside of a community group. Almost every week, I have been part of a community group. And that is what has helped shape who I am, and that was what has helped me and the team that has been with me to shape many people in their spiritual journey. So, guys, community groups are very, very important. That's where the life of the church is. So please do sign up, okay? Please do sign up. No excuse, okay? Even when I was having big exams the next day, I would still go for my community group meeting. You know, I considered it so important. And I can say this 40 years down the line. Still, it's very relevant to me. Now, let's uh, come to baptism, okay? And um, baptism is derived from the Greek word baptizo. I don't know whether I'm pronouncing it right or not. Baptizo meaning to dip and to die. So in the olden, well, you know, what they used to do was they take wool or woolen thread and dip it into a vat of dye, let it stay there for a little while, and then when it comes out, it has taken the color of the dye. So that's where the term baptism is derived from. Now, in the Bible, we see mainly three types of baptism. One is spiritual baptism. Second one is believer's baptism or water baptism. And the third one is baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So I'm going to speak a bit on spiritual baptism and believer's baptism. And I'm just going to mention just very briefly about baptism of the Holy Spirit because that is not, you know, that would require another few preachers in itself, you know, to, you know, to, to unpack that. Um, there was another kind of baptism that the Jews used to practice, which was mainly, you know, to symbolize repentance from sins. And they used to do this even before the time of Jesus. But I'm not going to talk about that. So what is spiritual baptism? Now, this is very, very important. And to teach on this, I need Jesus. So I can ask Zach, who's a man in the moment, to come here, be Jesus for me, And it's always good to demonstrate these things because it brings in a bit more clarity. So imagine this is Jesus. You know, Jesus 
is a person, okay? Just like us. It's just that Jesus and God, the Father and the Holy Spirit, they are spiritual beings. We are also spiritual beings, except that we are, you know, in this physical body. But at one time, at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be released from this body and we will become spiritual beings just like God is, okay? So God is not, you know, a power you know, out there, God is a living being, okay? He is a person, okay? So that is Jesus. And imagine I am a seeker. I am, you know, inquiring into this Christian faith. You know, I hear about this loving God who has come into this world, this Jesus, and I understand that he died on the cross for me, he came into this world because he loved people like me, sinners like me, everywhere in the world. He died on the cross, and on the cross, he paid the penalty for my sins. And I hear this story, and I feel the love of God towards me. And after spending some time knowing this person called Jesus, I fall in love with him, and I make a decision to receive this Jesus into my life. And I said, Jesus, come into my life. Come. And I want you to be the Lord of my life from now on. I want to spend my life with you. I give my life to you. Okay? And this is the beginning of our Christian journey. This is what I did when I was 20 years of age. I fell in love with Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus, and I said, Jesus, from now on, you are going to be the Lord of my life. Hallelujah. And I'm sure most of you sitting here, you have had this sort of experience, okay, in one way or the other. And what happens when I invite Jesus into my life? The Holy Spirit of God comes into my life. So God comes into my life, and God the Father takes me and puts me into Jesus, okay? Do you understand? So two things happen. God, the Holy Spirit, comes into my life, and I'm taken, and I'm buried, I'm put into Jesus. Hallelujah, okay? And this is spiritual baptism. I am buried in Jesus, okay? And this is when Jesus says, you know, remain in me, and I will remain in you. So it's I in Jesus and Jesus in me or Holy Spirit of God in me. I in God and God in me. Hallelujah. Okay? Now let's unpack this. Thank you. Thank you, son. Now let's look at a few verses. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 27. It goes like this. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, that means who were buried into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There you go. Okay? So by faith, okay, it is my choice, it is your choice, we exercise our choice to receive Jesus as the Lord of our life, and we invite Jesus into our life, okay, using our free will, our free choice, and what happens? We are buried in Christ. We are baptized into Christ. And what happens? We are then clothed with Christ, okay? Do you understand? So when God the Father looks at us, we are in, we are in Christ. 
We are in Christ. Hallelujah. And then in 2 Corinthians, Apostle Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Sometimes people think, oh, I will decide to end my old life and start my new life at baptism. No, 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 no. It doesn't happen that way. The decision has already been made. I, when I hear about Jesus, I decide to bring to an end my old way of living, my old way of thinking, my old desires, and I say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to live my life with you, okay? I want to get rid of this old way of living, and I now, from now on, I want a new way of living, a new way of living with you. Hallelujah, okay? And then, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, it goes like this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what happens when I come to Jesus, when I give my life to Jesus, he takes my sin away. Okay? He takes my sin away. And the apostle, the, the psalmist, when he speaks about this, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And that's what happens. A great exchange takes place. Jesus takes away my sin, and instead, he gives me his righteousness. Hallelujah. That means when God the Father looks at me, I am holy. I am pure. I am with sin. Even though we don't feel like that, okay? We are trapped in this human body with all its weaknesses, with all its failures, with all its problems. But when God looks at us, he sees us in Jesus, baptized in Jesus, buried in Jesus. So he sees us as holy and righteous. Do you see yourself that way, church? Every day? Is that how you see yourself? When you wake up in the morning, do you wake up and say, thank you God for I am holy? Is that what you say? Look at me. <laughs> okay, that's what you should be saying. Because that's what you have signed up to. That is what has happened with your life when you gave your life to Jesus. Every day is a good day, hallelujah, because of Christ. Every day is a beautiful day. Every day is a glorious day. Every day is a victorious day. Okay? We don't have to say, oh God, give me victory. You're already victorious because of him who has achieved victory for you on the cross once and for all. Hallelujah. This is called grace. Unmerited favor. It's a gift of God. This is not something that you and me work for, church. Okay? We hear about Jesus. We encounter this person called Jesus. And we fall in love with him. And we receive him into our life. And God gives all of these things to us for free. We become children of God. Hallelujah. We can call him our heavenly father. Praise God. It's a, a love relationship. Many of us don't realize this. We fall in love with a girl or with a boy 
and we think, oh, that's great, that's romantic. But actually, this is a romantic relationship between us and God. Okay? It's a love relationship because we are giving our life to a person, the one who created us, the one who loves us, the one who knows us so intimately, the one who wants to spend his life with us. Okay? It's a love relationship. And you and me, we have exercised our choice. Nobody has forced us into, okay? Sometimes we think, in the other day, you know, you know, you know somebody asked me, you know, do you, were you a Christian by birth? And I had to tell him, no, 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 that is not how it happens, okay? We have to exercise our choice. Just because we have parents who are Christians doesn't mean that we automatically become Christians, okay? We have to exercise our choice, you and me. Hallelujah. So far so good? You're with me? Yeah? You're experiencing going through what you have gone through? Okay. Keep thinking about those things, okay? Now, let's come to believer's baptism, water baptism. The first question is, look, you know, when I teach, I ask a lot of questions, okay? I encourage you to ask a lot of questions. That is how you learn, okay? And when you're dealing with your children as well, encourage them to ask a lot of questions. Sometimes what happens is, as parents, we are fed up our children asking questions. We tell them to shut up, okay? And give me peace. But actually, that's the wrong thing. We need to encourage them to ask questions, okay? And that is, that is their inquisitive nature. They are trained to be like that. They are, you know, that is how they are. And we need to, we should never discourage them, okay? So who instituted baptism? Very easy. Who did it? Jesus did it. When in Matthew 28, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That means tell them about me, okay? Tell them about my love story for everyone in this world. And when they become, you know, my children, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Very straightforward, very simple. So second thing is, who should get baptized, okay? That's the next question, who should get baptized? Let's look at a few verses, Acts chapter two. So this is on the day of Pentecost, Apostle Peter stands up to preach, and he shares, teaches the word of God, he preaches the word of God, he tells everyone about this savior Jesus, and 3,000 people respond and give their life to Jesus, okay? And it says like this, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So who got baptized? People who believed in Jesus. People who put their trust in Jesus, they got baptized. How quickly did they get baptized? Straight away, okay? That is, you don't need a, a time, you know, of getting mature or anything. You get baptized straight away. Acts chapter eight. Now in Jerusalem, there was a persecution you know, against the Christians, and the Christians were scattered, and Philip went to this town called, uh, this place called Samaria, okay? And he preached the word of God. And then it says like this, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, okay? Who got baptized? Those who believed and those who received Jesus into their life, they got baptized. How quickly? Straight away, okay? And then, Acts chapter 8. Now the Holy Spirit of God tells Philip, 
go to this road, okay, and you will encounter a chariot, you know, uh, on which you'll find this eunuch, you know, this Ethiopian eunuch, who is the, um, uh, in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia, and uh, you need to, you know, minister to this person. So he goes there, and this Ethiopian eunuch, he's reading the book of Isaiah. He doesn't understand the word of God, and Philip asks him, do you understand this? He said, no, okay, and he invites him into the chariot, and Philip goes in, shares the word of God, tells him about Jesus, and this eunuch believes in the message of God. And he sees some water, and he says, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. So what was the first thing that happened? The eunuch believed in the message of the kingdom of heaven. And how quickly did he get baptized? Straight away. You're seeing a theme here, yeah? So, church, baptism is the first step we take after putting our faith in Jesus and giving our lives over to Jesus. All right? It's the first step we take. Now, people ask, is there an age cutoff for baptism? Okay? There is no age cutoff for baptism. They should be old enough, whoever is taking baptism should be old enough to understand the meaning of trusting in Christ. So if your children come to me, you need to question them, you need to ask them, you need to you know, find out what they mean by trusting in Jesus. And if they think, if you think they have had sufficient you know, information and they are expressing their faith, they understand what trusting in Jesus means, then they are the right time, at the right time for getting baptized. So baptism is for those who have accepted Jesus as the Lord of their life. It is not for babies, unfortunately. Okay? Not for babies. Okay? So the next question is, what does believer's baptism symbolize? So believer's baptism is a public declaration of one's faith in Jesus. It's our personal story. We tell a story when we get baptized, okay? It is an opportunity to show friends, family, the church, or the world that I have been forgiven and I'm following Jesus from now on. It's an external sign of what has happened already in someone's heart. The change has already been taken, taken place, okay? I've accepted Jesus as Lord of my life, and then I decide to get baptized. It is announcing to the world the end of the old life and the beginning of the new life. So church is very important to recognize that baptism in water does not save you, okay? Do you understand? Baptism does not save you, but rather you get baptized once you're saved and become a child of God. Is that clear? Baptism does not save you, but rather you get baptized once you're saved. Now, you must be thinking, okay, where does this come from? I'll take you to John chapter 3, where Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall be saved, and have, shall, shall, shall not perish, but have eternal life. So who gets saved? The one who believes and is given to him as a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, 
it says, For it is by grace you have been saved by faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Our salvation is by faith. And when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is given to us as a gift, not a work. And in Romans 1, Apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for in the gospel, oh sorry, because it's the power of, the God, power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Okay? You see, my friends, you know, living with Jesus is a, a continual living. It's not that you made a decision and then I become a Christian, I got baptized, and that's it. No. You live with this person called God, this Jesus, on a day-to-day -day basis, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. You have this relationship just like you have this relationship with your husband or with your wife or with your children. God is so real. You have this relationship by faith every single day of your life. Okay? Then, the next question is, you know, when we have teaching like this, it begs the question, if baptism is not essential for salvation, then why get baptized? Yeah? Is that not a relevant question? It is a relevant question, yeah? Why? I'll tell you, because it was commanded by Jesus. Because he said to do it. Now, baptism is an indicator of whether we have accepted the Lordship of Jesus. You know, when I come to Jesus and say, from now on, you are going to be the Lord of my life. Who was the Lord till then? My life? I was the Lord of my life. Okay? We are little gods, you know? That's what the devil said. If you eat the fruit, you'll become a god. We are all little gods, you know? We are, I'm the boss of my life. And when I accept Jesus into my life, I'm saying, I'm displacing myself, and you are become the Lord of my life. And when the Lord of our life says, get baptized, what do you do? You get baptized, okay? So it is an indicator of whether we have accepted the Lordship of Jesus. We don't then have ideas of our own. We have, we follow his recommendation. Jesus himself got baptized before the onset of his public ministry and set an example for us to follow. When I got saved at the age of 20 years, I, I was part of an Anglican sort of community. It's called the Church of South India. That is where I was going for worship, okay? And, but as soon as I got saved, I knew there was a local church. I was aware of a local church who would give believers baptism. So I went there and I told them, look, I've given my life to Jesus. I want to get baptized. So they asked me, who told you about baptism, uh, believers baptism? I said, nobody has to tell me. I've been studying the word of God for the last few years. Okay, I know now that I've received Jesus as the Lord of my life, I need to get baptized. So they gave me believers baptism. Now my wife Sunu, she was brought up in this group where they were anti believers baptism. So you baptize as a child and they would say that is enough. Okay? They taught them so much that they were brainwashed and they thought believers baptism is not necessary. In fact, it is wrong 
to because there's only one baptism, okay? And um, so she resisted, and I kept on teaching her, and at one point she said, okay, if this is so important for you, then I'll get baptized. I said, no, 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 don't get baptized that way. It's not my will, you have to decide it for yourself. And then she decided, okay, I will dissect the word of God in many ways, and, and, and you know, and uh, teach myself that baptism, believers' baptism is not necessary. So she started exploring the word of God and finally came to the conclusion that she has to obey the Lord in the waters of baptism. And finally she got baptized. Hallelujah! Okay? And this happened when we were in Leeds, okay? And immediately, within a short period of time, we started our first outreach meeting together as a husband and wife. So we were ministering among Filipino you know, Filipino nurses who came into this country as nurses. And then when we moved from Yorkshire to, to Bedford, we started this outreach community for Malayalam-speaking people that Hudson spoke about last week. And so you see, unless we obey the Lord in the waters of baptism, unless we take the first step that we need to take, He's not going to let us into the next steps. Do you understand? Do you understand? Without finishing grade one or, or year one, you can't go to year two. Without doing year two, you can't go to year five. We are thinking of going to year 10 without going through all these years. Do you understand what I mean? Okay, so we have to follow the step-by-step the -step approach. Now, who can baptize? So time is running out, Hudson. I'm nearly there, I'm nearly there. Who can baptize? That is the next question, okay? So, this church, in this church, in accordance with the word of God, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. If anyone is a Christian, whether they are a man or a woman, they can baptize a believer. I'll say that again. If anyone is a Christian, okay, whether they are a man or a woman, they can baptize a believer. Hallelujah. Okay? Now, me and Tim, my good friend, when we were ministering in another country, okay, we encountered a leader who insisted on baptizing everyone himself. So he has this book in which he's written, you know, the names of everyone. He's going to give a number for everyone. And when we challenged him a little bit, he said, the common man expects me to give baptism to myself, to these people, because they think I'm the anointed one. What a gross misrepresentation of the Word of God. A gross misrepresentation of the Word of God. Okay? We tried very hard to change his ways, but unfortunately, he didn't. Okay? That is not how it is, church. We believe, in accordance with the Word of God, that once you are in Christ, once you receive the Holy Spirit of God, every person man or woman, young or old, you are anointed. Hallelujah. Don't let anyone take this away from you. Okay? Don't let anyone take this away from you. And in this church, that is why everyone, this is like family. Okay? We encourage young and old. Okay? You guys need to come. Take part in the life of the church. Don't hold back. 
And if you have children, encourage them to come and take part in the life of the church. And that is why we get children up here in the front to demonstrate that this is not just for a few selected people. The Ephesians 4 ministry says the job of the leaders is to equip the members to do the service in the church, okay? So our job is to equip every one of you to take part in ministry, in the life of the church. Hallelujah? Is that clear? So another thing is that, you know, you know I have seen this. When baptism happens, a leader will take a, a prominent position. So it'll be like his time to shine, okay? It's rubbish, okay? It's rubbish. You know, when you're getting baptized, the most important people, the hero of the day, is a person getting baptized. Don't take it away from him or her, okay? Hallelujah. No leader should do that, okay? And the next important person is God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? Because the person getting baptized has given his or her life to God. Hallelujah. And then the next most important people are the people witnessing because they are announcing to the church, to people who are witnessing that such and such a thing has happened in my life. I've given my life, okay? Not the person doing the baptism. The baptism, the person giving the baptism is only a facilitator, okay? Hallelujah. And it's very, very important. Since we are talking about community groups, I say this again and again. As leaders of community groups, we have to be very, very careful, okay? We have to follow the Jesus model. Jesus, you know, I, I even mentioned this this morning. God is the greatest servant of all, okay? We think, I serve the Lord, but actually we forget that God is serving us day in and day out. We don't recognize that. He has come to live within us. Do you know that? God is a greater servant, okay? And we have to be like that. And when we did this outreach ministry, I remember I made it a point, we would always have food, and after food, I would take the broom, the brush, and I will clean myself, okay? So I'm a physician, you see, and I was, you know, ministering among, you know, people who were nurses, okay? So there is already a class divide, okay? And I'm also the leader there, so there is that sort of divide as well, but I wanted to teach the fact that a leader is a servant. So I made it a point every week to do this, okay? And that's very, very important. If you are a community group leader, if you're signing up to be one, then you have to know that you are there to serve, not to lord it over anyone. Hallelujah, okay? That's a beautiful, precious word of God. Don't let it be diluted, guys, okay? The next one is baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is something that happens either at the time we give our life to Jesus or at a later date. The power of Holy Spirit God breaks out from within us and this results in empowerment for ministry or the receiving of uh, spiritual gifts. It gives us the ability to better understand the word of God. It brings new joy, boldness in witnessing Jesus to others, etc. And we have to long for it, okay? When I pray, I pray God, you know, God, I don't say, God, give me this, speci this specific gift. I never ask like that. I tell God, God, give me the gift you think I need to witness you, to serve, you know, everyone. 
That's all. Whatever I need, you give it to me, Lord. And that would be my prayer. And I think that would be a good prayer for everyone to do. Okay? I presume you're doing that, yeah? Are you? Yeah, some are nodding. Very good. Okay. Now, a few practical steps on believers' baptism. I'm coming to the very end. So somebody, so if you're planning to get baptized, then someone you know will sit with you, talk through the basics of Christian faith and how they apply to you. They will also answer any questions you may have and give you the support you need. You can invite your friends and family to your baptism. It'll happen on a Sunday. And when it happens, you will have the opportunity to briefly say something about the reason you want to get baptized. One of the church leaders will ask you a question to confirm your faith and then pray for you. The pool will be warm, so you don't have to worry about that. So in winter as well, it's safe, all right? And two people will be in the pool with you, and they will lower you into the water and then pull you back out. And that is how it happens. So church, that is the teaching on baptism, okay? Now, if you have put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have made this commitment to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life, and if this teaching has brought clarity, and if I've encouraged you or motivated you to get baptized, how quickly should you get baptized? Straight away. away. So if you have made that commitment and you are not got baptized, you are in the right place to get baptized. And if, you have, if I have encouraged you or motivated you, please don't go away from here without speaking with someone. Speak with someone. Speak with a friend. Speak with Oli or speak with Ashita, who is the you know, assistant youth pastor. Speak with one of the group leaders or speak with Hudson or myself or Tim or Felix or one of us here or Joyce or anyone here. And, uh, but please don't go away. If you need any more clarification, any more you know, uh, questions you have, please come and ask, okay? We are here to help you, know, you on your spiritual journey. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.